Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and the future of the next generation. I'm your host, Crystal, and in this season of the podcast, we're talking about what it means to be more human and lead humans in the tension. We are so excited for you to listen to this breakout from Orange Conference by Diane Doko Kim about engaging children with autism. Diane is a disability ministry consultant, a national speaker, and the author of Unbroken Faith, Spiritual Recovery for the Special Needs Parent. As the mother of children with multiple disabilities, including autism and ADHD, her passions include encouraging struggling families and equipping local churches into becoming inclusive faith communities. Her work has been featured in Joni and Friends, Christianity Today, Bible Gateway, Parenting Magazine, and Moody Radio. Diane and her husband, Eddie, live in Silicon Valley with their two uniquely abled sons. And we can't wait for you to get to learn from her. So let's dive in. Welcome to Engaging Every Child on the Autism Spectrum. My name is Diane Doko Kim. I serve as a disability ministry consultant, and I'm also the parent of an autistic young adult. Now, over the years, I've noticed four FAQs that would be frequently angsty questions from ministry leaders about engaging kids with autism and their families at church. Number one, what if we're not qualified? We don't have the staff or the experience or the space. Question number two, what do these kids and families really need? I mean, autism sounds kind of intimidating and complicated. Three, what can the church do realistically to serve these families in sustainable ways? And four, the granddaddy question of them all, what if we mess up? What if we mess this up? So if you resonate with any of these, I get it. When I first found out that our two-year-old son was autistic, my first response was, nope. I am not set up for that. Even years later, when I was working in disability ministry, there honestly have been weekends where I actually semi-prayed, Lord, please don't send any new kids unannounced today because we're just not prepared. So parents start off at baseline zero too, but love and desperation finds a way. And that's what families do, spiritual families too, amen? So FAQ 1, what if we're not qualified? We don't have the staff or the resources or fill in the blank. Well, here's Mythbuster number one. You do not have to know, have, or do everything to love these kids and families well. First of all, it's not even possible for anyone to know everything about autism because it is a spectrum disorder, which means every person is different with unique strengths and challenges. There is a very popular and well-known expression in the autism community that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So instead of stressing about learning everything that there could be to know about autism, just focus on each family, each child that God sends to your church one at a time and learn and love them one at a time. What matters most is heart and hustle. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've had as a parent in search of a new church include when ministries leaders would apologetically say, Diane, I'm sorry, we don't have a program yet, but we know we, know we need to and we're working on it. In the meantime, what can we do to walk alongside your family? How can we make this work so that we can become an us? You're the expert in your son, so you tell us what would be helpful. So don't worry about experiences, resources, or knowledge, because skills can be taught and stuff can be bought, but a heart must be caught first. And remember the paralytics four friends, I really don't think there was a single special ed degree, and they certainly did not have the proper equipment but they had heart and hustle. And they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. And Jesus honored their faith. 
So question number two, what do these kids and families really need? So here's something that might surprise you. I think a lot of us, families like mine, are more scared of you, the church, than you are of us. 90% of families living with cognitive disabilities like autism don't attend either because we can't or because of mm, difficult past experiences. And some of you might be in this workshop with a sense of urgency because you know exactly what I'm talking about. So autism is often referred to as a hidden disability. There's no physical characteristics or indicators, but they're observed through behaviors like challenges in communication, social skills, and sensory integration. So that could look like a kid who doesn't seem to be tracking with a conversation, or he's talking too much, or maybe he's not talking at all. Maybe he doesn't seem to be following instructions. He runs around or runs out of class. Or maybe she makes noises or plays or interacts with people in atypical ways or maybe not at all. And it's not just kids, but the family is affected too. They're always dealing with people staring or giving well-meaning advice or just straight up criticism on their parenting. Yes, well-meaning Christians at church too. A survey once asked parents the hardest part of raising a child with a disability, and their answer was unanimously, other people. So when we come to church, we're hoping for compassion, willingness to learn about our kids. So I don't send my kid to his special ed program at school expecting Christian discipleship there. And I don't come to church expecting autism experts. We are looking for a spiritual home where we're known, accepted, and where we can belong. So number three. What can churches do? Just start from where you are. Every church has unique gifts and love languages. I can guarantee you that you have more assets in place already than you think. In fact, small churches often do inclusion even better because it's organic. It's just part of how you do village life versus a program that you implement. The most invaluable thing that churches can do is to partner with parents and caregivers. They are the world's expert in that child, which makes them, those parents, your greatest asset, especially if a child has limited communication or complex behaviors. But wait, there's more. When you leverage the expertise of parents, you're also indirectly tapping into the fleet of professionals that family's already working with, too. So if a child has a diagnosis, it's more than likely that they're already receiving services. So parents are already actively engaging with teachers, their medical team, therapists, and social workers. So special needs ministry has the potential to be the blood orange of orange because special needs families are uniquely primed to partner with other people for their kids. But ironically, the one place that might not be happening is with church. So how do we partner? Well, for starters, does your church's branding and marketing assets, that would be your church website, your bulletins, your announcements, and your children's ministry brochures, your intake form, mention special needs or disability ministry? Our families rarely venture anywhere new, not without Googling or getting some kind of advanced intel or location scouting. There's just too much at risk. So when your church is intentional about mentioning special needs in your communications, that is like putting a welcome mat out with our name on it. It communicates that you know we're out there and that you're saving a seat for us. Having an online registration form, an intake form, is an effective and efficient way for parents to provide important information about their child before they arrive. Uh, information about their communication and learning style, any behavior or sensory considerations you might want to know in advance, uh, where they are in their toileting and independence, things like that. 
This intake can help you figure out the most appropriate setting for them, um, whether it's in the same age class with a buddy or in a self-contained class or a hybrid of both. And to learn more about that, check out Megan Wall's workshop in the Kidmen track on special needs ministry environments. Parents like me are used to filling out forms all the time. So having it online so I can complete it at home while my kid is sleeping is far less stressful than trying to do it on site at church while my kid wanders around in an unfamiliar, very high sensory environment. Again, that kind of mindfulness is like a welcome mat, and it's a good sign of an inclusive culture. So don't worry, you don't need to figure out the secret sauce. Just ask the folks who spend the most time in the kitchen and we will happily share the recipe with you to the best that we figured out ourselves. So let us help you help us. Okay, so one caveat to that. Uh, Just like kids on the spectrum are on a spectrum, their parents are on a spectrum too. In terms of they are on a spectrum as far as where they are in their spiritual journey, where they are in accepting or maybe being in denial over their child's diagnosis. And they also vary in their comfort levels of sharing information. So going back to rule one, get to know each child and family individually. So those were strategies for getting them into church. But what about ongoing? So one practical tool is what I like to call a spiritual IEP. IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan. So in public schools, they use the IEP to plan annual goals and services for each student with a disability. So every special needs parent is very familiar with an IEP. Now at church, it doesn't have to be anything formal or extensive like that. It's just, it's a means for having an annual or regular check-in with each family to keep up with their challenges and prayer requests, which are always evolving. Another tool is something I call the help wish list. So I came up with a help wish list because special needs families are always under pressure and in need of a lot of help, but we have a hard time asking. Meanwhile, there are caring people in the church, first responders I like to call them, who want to help but who don't know how, and really no one's a mind reader. So the help wish list can bridge that gap by acting like a baby or a wedding registry. It lists common practical needs that special needs families wish they could ask for. And so they can check off items or fill in the blanks. So you can download the PDF or send soft copies at diandokokim.com or by texting 64600-CODE-DDK-FREE. A free resource for you. Another idea is assigning a care coordinator for a family if they don't have someone they're leaning on already. So this would be a designated point person to centralize communication and coordination of offers of help and support on behalf of a family so that they don't end up with three pizzas on one night and starving the next. And so this can be helpful, especially in very acute situations, like if there is a hospital uh, hospitalization or a crisis going on when they need urgent help, but are just too overwhelmed to coordinate all the communications themselves. Another gesture is remembering them on something like the big days. That would be the child's birthday, siblings' birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and graduation season. So these days can be particularly hard for parents like us because this is the season that um, what I call the ghosts of grief come back to haunt. These are times when parents can't help but compare their child and their family's life with others and grieve what could have been. So even small token gestures like a gift or a card or an email can make families and parents feel seen and honored. And lastly, 
Consider ways to enable kids and families to engage beyond just weekend services. So that would be your midweek Bible studies, any affinity groups or mom's groups, retreats, VBS, special events. Again, it's not up to you to reinvent the wheel. So just partner with parents to collaborate on solutions. They know best what works for them. And they might just be wishing and waiting for you to ask. So I know that was a lot of could-dos, none of them must-dos. But the most important thing is to focus on people versus programs. People versus programs. Maya Angelou once said that people don't remember what you say or did, but they remember how you made them feel. And it doesn't cost us to be encouraging. When families manage to show up on Sundays, even if they're a little bit late, celebrate. Celebrate that they made it because I can guarantee you it was four times harder for that family to get out the door. It doesn't cost us anything to affirm that their child is wonderfully and fearfully made, that the body of Christ is incomplete without them, and that it is a joy to have them. We have the opportunity to make the church the one sacred space all week where children and families can feel seen, honored, unconditionally loved, and celebrated versus tolerated. So heart and hustle costs us nothing, but offers immeasurable return on investment. Ultimately, special needs ministry and engaging students and families with autism is about building relationships, about enabling them to be part of the community. You don't need all the things to be intentional and to love well. Question number four, what if we mess up? I call that FOMU, fear of messing up. When something outside of our comfort zone or control, really, um, we naturally play defense because fear has to do with punishment, um, uh, being afraid of being dragged on Twitter. But perfect love casts out all fear. Christ's love should compel us. So remember rule number one, the most important asset is heart and hustle. When families are assured that you are doing your level best with what you've got to work with and you're building a trusting relationship, then love can cover a multitude of mistakes. So I think FOMU, fear of messing up, is the wrong question. I think a better question is, what if we miss out? So instead of FOMU, we should have FOMO, fear of missing out. So we should fear missing out on the Luke 14 mission and mandate to go out quickly and invite the blind, the poor, and the disabled so that God's house may be full. We should fear missing out on the opportunity for the church to truly flex our compassion muscles, to welcome and engage the least of the least of these in countercultural ways. By this, the world will know that we are his disciples. Special needs ministry is strategically positioned to be the blood orange of orange because it offers the juiciest opportunities for the church and home to truly become interdependent for maximum impact. We should fear missing out on that. So on behalf of our families, thank you for engaging here and giving greater honor to the parts of the body that lack it. May God bless you and make you a blessing. We want to thank Diane for sharing how we can engage children with autism. If you liked this episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love this review by Suzanne. She said, I just started working in student ministry the last couple of months, and I immediately subscribed to many podcasts devoted to helping me influence the next generation. The Think Orange podcast is my go-to. I get excited when I see that a new episode has been posted because I know that it's content that I can trust, learn from, and share with other student leaders, build partnership with parents, and ultimately, and most importantly, help our students solidify their faith in Jesus. 
Thanks for the review, Suzanne. And we would love for you to join us at Orange Tour to continue learning what it means to lead humans. Go to orangetour.org to save your seat for our one-day training event for leaders and volunteers in a city near you. And we'll see you next time on the Think Orange podcast.